Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 337 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Star McEwen. Star lives in Pima, Arizona, where she is now a full-time IF coach, which I love to hear because she was a guest on this podcast before, just over three years ago, episode 79. So I love having somebody come back on for a follow-up episode, especially when someone has been you know, living the intermittent fasting lifestyle for so many years and now has turned it into a career. Welcome, Star. Well, thanks for having me, Jen. I'm so excited to be back and just be able to continue to tell my fasting story. 
Well, I love it. And, you know, it just goes to show that we don't just dabble in intermittent fasting. It becomes a lifestyle, and then we stick with it, you know, for years. And then we want other people to have what we've got because we like it so much. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like kind of, I know you've said it before where you just feel like it's kind of your mission to tell your story and let others know what, how fasting has worked for you. And like, it literally started from you telling your story and delay, don't deny of just how you struggled with weight loss and how you just got to a point in that aha moment where we're all just like, I cannot live like this any longer. Like that's really me in that picture. There's no way that's me because in my head, like I know I'm big and I know nothing fits me. But then when you see a picture of yourself, you're like, "Mm -mm." like it doesn't like match up. And so, yeah, but when it finally comes to and you finally do see you and you have that aha moment, you're like, okay, we have got to do something. And so I think that's why I... I resonated so much with your story in Delay Don't Deny because, you know, I just, I was like, yes, I struggled too. Yes, I've tried every diet too. Yes, I've done doctor prescribed diet pills. Yes, I've done all the, the, oh, and then now you do this? Like, and so it just seemed like all those light bulbs were going off. And it's such relief. And and that's why we want to share with everybody else, just because we struggled for so many years. And now we have what feels like this big secret. And we want to share it with as many people as we can. So let's circle back. Let's backtrack a little bit. You know, I always like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting? And when was that? And I know you told your story on episode 79. But let's just give it a, a brief refresher here. Okay, so just a little recap. What first brought me to intermittent fasting was basically, like I explained, just feeling like I just kept getting heavier and heavier. Like, I mean, I always throughout my life, I have four babies that I birthed and then I raised six. We have six all together. We're a blended family. And so I always throughout pregnancies and everything, I always relatively did fine. I had babies really young. I was a teen mom, but you know, the weight would just come off relatively easy. I mean, yes, I would do out home workout videos. I would do P90X. I would watch what I eat and I would count calories and I would do all these things, but I would still get down to my weight. Well, in 2013 to about 2015, I was very avid in Zumba. I was a Zumba instructor. I was a CrossFitter and, you know, real strong, loved being in the gym and and it worked for me. That that season in my life, it just worked for me. I would drop the kids off at school. I would go to the gym. I think I explained before town is a minute away. So when you go to town, you do everything you need to do in town. So I would go to town, work out, go to the grocery store, get home. And then you'd only have like an hour or two to yourself because you spent four hours in the gym and then you went to the store and then you're back home. And then it's like, oh, the kids are coming home from school. It's already 2.30, you know? So your whole day was gone because you're exercising. But in my head, and like I said, for me then in that season, it worked. I was able to build muscle, get stronger. And then all of a sudden in like 2016, from 35 to 37 is when the weight just really started piling on. Like, and I would go to the doctor and I'm like, okay, what's going on? They're like, oh, you're depressed and your, your thyroid's messed up. Your thyroid's low. Here's some thyroid medication. And I have a hereditary high cholesterol. It, no matter how great I am, it, it's always high. My cholesterol though was off the charts. It had never been this high. It was 314 back in 2017. And so the doctor was like, Hey, you need some high cholesterol medication. That's really high for, you know, even for you. So I got put on my high cholesterol medication back in 2017. My dad has, he had a heart attack at 40 
and had to have quadruple bypass surgery. He's passed away now. But I, at that moment when I started seeing the, the weight creeping on and stuff and my, my actual health going, when, when my blood work was getting really, really bad, I was like, okay, like, what do I have to do? Like, I feel like I'm eating like 800 calories a day trying to lose weight. I'm drinking a shake in the morning. I'm only trying to eat lunch and I'm drinking a shake in the evening. Or, you know, I was trying everything. I was doing real meal replacement shakes. I was doing fentramine for a really short time. And that wasn't even working. Even the doctor was like scratching his head and he's like, okay, you know, everybody loses weight with fentramine. I'm like, yeah, I know. I did it like 15 years ago and it worked just fine. But tried it for a couple months before I found fasting, nothing. I mean, I I don't understand it. You know, you have all the energy in the world, but wasn't losing weight. The weight just kept packing on. And I remember thinking I was about 190. And I remember thinking, if the scale gets to 200, I just like literally don't know what I'm going to do because I've never even seen that number in my pregnancies, like at all. But then I would go to try to get back into exercise. But then of course you're so embarrassed when you're 190 something pounds and you used to be this like fit person. You're not going to want to go back to the gym. That's just embarrassing. Everybody's going to be talking about you. You know it. Do you think that you were like inadvertently had, maybe you had slowed your metabolism with a lot of, you know, the shakes and the small meals and the being in the gym a lot. You know, if we're doing too much, too much restriction, lots and lots of exercise, it slows our metabolic rate. Our bodies want to protect us. Do you think that might be what was going on? Something had to be happening because even in 2015 or 16, right before, I wasn't my heaviest, but I was about 165 and I was wanting to lose weight at that point because I really didn't like being 165. But I was working out, I was doing the CrossFit and I was really heavy in the heavy lifting and the weights. And I actually did this program, which I talked about in my other episode, it was called Renaissance periodization. So that like the CrossFitters would be into it, but you pay a nutritionist and it was like 500 bucks a month <laughs> to tell you what to eat. And I talked about this in my other episode, but I literally had a chart that was up on the wall that had green lines, red lines, and you could only eat these lines that paired up with these lines at these times. And I was doing all that stuff. Like I would not even be hungry. And I was eating my cold sweet potatoes and chicken at a kid's track meet because they said I had to eat at this time, or they said I had to eat this much food to build muscle. And they said this and they said that. So I'm paying them $500 to give me this chart and telling me I need to eat all this food. And I was doing exactly what they said. I was weighing every ounce of chicken, everything to a T. I was meal prepping like crazy. I was working out like crazy three to four hours a day. And the weight was piling on. I would send my nutritionist pictures and she would be like, hmm, you know, like literally had no idea what to say. Like I remember her one time telling me like, I don't know what else to do to help you because if you're doing what I say you're doing, which would then just make me mad because then she thinks I'm not doing what she's telling me to do. And I'm like, no, I swear I'm doing what you say. I'm just getting fatter. I don't know why. And I just think my body and the metabolism, I don't know if it was, you know, the stress of working out and being in the gym for so long and exercise, like almost over exercising and then eating all this. And my body was just like, we don't know what the heck to do. So it was like stuck in storage mode. Stuck, I was just going to say stuck in storage mode. It's like, well, I guess we'll save that for later. We don't know what the hell she's doing. And it just kept like packing it on, you know? And then, so that's why when I read your book, you know, like kind of full circle. So I, 
I hit that 200 mark and I remember seeing 207, which I know it had to be higher when I started, but like, I remember my highest being 207 and I, I know it's like not great to say out loud, but like I was at such a low when I found when I was that heavy or whatever, like there's a picture of myself with my kids at their eighth grade promotion. They actually just graduated high school. Oh, so I have a picture of me yeah. extremely fat with them their eighth grade year. That was two months before I found fasting. So I have a picture of them with me at their eighth grade picture. Doesn't even look like me, you guys. I mean, it, I, I look like, I don't know. And I'm even standing sideways and I still look huge. And then now I got to take a picture with them, you know, at graduation four years later. And I'm like, I feel like I'm, oh my gosh, I'm back to me. But anyways, I got back at that time though, that we took the kids to Disneyland, which is our favorite place. We're crazy Disney people. We're Disney adults with or without our kids. We love Disney. We actually probably <laughs> like it more. That's so fun. But yeah. don't tell them that. No, I'm just kidding. And so we took them on their eighth grade promotion trip to Disneyland. And I remember being there and walking around hurt. Even like when I, I would be hungry and I'd be wanting food, but then I would feel embarrassed that I was even hungry because I'm 200 and 10 pounds or whatever. Like I shouldn't be hungry. I should be fine. But I was freaking starving the whole time I was there. But then I felt guilty for eating because I just, all I wanted to do was lose weight. But then I'm at Disneyland and be happy. And you would take a picture and I I didn't want to be in the pictures though, but it was like, these are memories, get in the picture. But you can, every picture there, you can just see my face and it's just, it's not me. I was just not me. You know, I don't know. You didn't feel good at all in your body. Now, I'm just curious about something. Were you someone who drank a lot of diet sodas or what were you drinking throughout the day during that period? Like I remember back in the day for me, I was always sipping on something that was like a zero calorie, like crystal light packets or a diet soda or flavor enhancers. Did you rely on that kind of stuff heavily back in those days? So I'm very lucky that I wasn't addicted to soda. Like I know a lot of people like have that problem with soda and they switch to diet and this and that, but I did like energy drinks because I always were tired. So I always wanted something that was going to give me. So of course you do the zero calorie energy drink because that's just fine, right? Right. No calories. Wrong. (laughs) But that's kind of what I would do because I'm like, I need energy or the coffee where you're like grabbing some coffee and you're putting all your yummy creamer and everything in it and turning it into a coffee milkshake and drinking that because you think you're just getting some caffeine when really you're getting a whole ton of dopa insulin and sugar, but it's fine. I wish you had a fasting insulin test from way back then. Seriously, that could be it. And, you know, you know, your insulin, you may be someone who like hyper responds or maybe your body puts out more insulin than other people. And so your body was I just you storing, storing. Yeah. Diabetes runs really high in, in my mom's side of the family, especially like that was another big thing with me, not only my dad and his heart problems. So I knew I, I didn't have that greatness going for me, but like my grandma had such bad diabetes that she had to get her leg cut off from her knee down and she had to come live with us. And I was about 10 or so. And I remember being like, where is your leg? Where did it go? Like, and my mom explained it to me along the way, because first she lost a couple toes and then she lost half her foot. And then it was like, and we're just going to take it from the leg down. And I could not understand how diabetes 
caused you to lose limbs, but I just knew at 10, I was not going to want that to happen to me, you know? And so like, as I got older and then as I started getting heavier and stuff, I mean, I'm sure my, I don't know what I have, like I said, yeah, back in when my cholesterol and my triglycerides and even my LDL was off the charts at 242 back in 2017, I wish I had my A1C because I do have... And your insulin too, fasting insulin, yeah. Fasted insulin, way more important. Yeah. So I wish I would have had my fasted insulin, but I didn't didn't even... even, Usually they check your A1C and I would think they would have back then, but they didn't. So I didn't have it back then, but I recently got my fasted insulin checked. Well, share now what it is. What's it now? Okay. Okay. Let me see. I'm trying to remember. I get it confused with my... So my fasted insulin was 5.2. Awesome. We, you know, 2.5 to 5 is ideal. And I think, you know, the 5.2, that's right there within the standard error of measurement. So that's amazing. We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium and specifically magnesium breakthrough by by optimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency, and in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash ifstories, promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Yeah, I was a little bummed. Like, I really wanted it, like, a little lower, you know? I was like, because I'm like, man. Well, here's the thing, though. If you're someone who whose body releases more insulin than normal, just getting it down to I mean, 5.2 is right there in that. Like I said, that could be within the standard error of measurement. And so I wouldn't stress about it. We also, I mean, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody knows. But we're not sure how variable insulin might be from moment to moment. I know you've worn a CGM. Mm -hmm. And one thing about blood sugar that we know from wearing a CGM is blood sugar dramatically goes up and down throughout the day. Even when you're fasting, it could be 99, then it's 91, then it's 87, then it's 102. I mean, just because you walked up the stairs real fast and your muscles pumped out some glycogen or whatever. So 
our blood sugar goes up and down within a range. So I would imagine that the amount of insulin circulating is not like a static number. Like you got 5.2, but if you'd have been there an hour sooner, maybe you would have gotten 4.9 or maybe you would have gotten 6.1. I mean, we just don't know. So we shouldn't expect that it's just like one number, just like our blood sugar is not just one number. Anyway, (laughs) that's my TED Talk on fasting insulin today. But you should definitely be happy with, with the five point anything that's just right there yeah so to circle back so i'll try to talk so you were at disneyland the last thing yeah so i was at disneyland i saw that picture and i was like oh my goodness like something has to change like i don't know what i'm gonna do and so i had a friend that was doing this you squirted this magic stuff on a spoon and you took one spoonful a day I felt like Mary Poppins were in her song where she's like a spoonful of sugar. Like that's what it made me think of. But anyways, and so I'm like, oh, a spoonful of this is going to make me skinny. You know, what was it? It was like called Modair or something like that. I'm not really sure. I don't know what that is. And it looked like corn syrup. I I don't know, some sort of chocolate syrup or whatever. And so did that. I think I did lose like 10 pounds and I was like, well, I don't know, whatever, maybe, I don't know. Like it was supposed to be, have a bunch of collagen in it too and help with all this stuff. But so I did that, but that was after I got back from the Disneyland trip. And then I had a best friend from high school text me in July and she just had randomly sent me a picture of herself with her mom and she looked amazing. I mean, her skin, everything like, yes, she was thin, but she looked amazing with like her skin and coloring and everything. And so I commented on how amazing she looked, you know, cause of course I was always looking for the next best thing that was going to help me get skinny. And I was like, well, she's my same age and, and she looks great. And she's like, oh, thanks so much. I've actually been intermittent fasting. I read this book, Delay, Don't Deny, and it really helped me lose a lot of weight and I'm able to keep it off. And I just eat one meal a day and I was kind of like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) And she's like, well, I know you don't like to read, so just get the book on Audible. So I did. I got it. It took me a few weeks to read it. And then I finally read the book in August of 2019. And I started that next day. I mean. Just in my head, the light bulbs were going off when you were talking. And I was just, I could resonate so much with your story of just talking about how you've tried everything. And I remember you said, if there was a town of diets, you'd be the mayor. And I'm like, I think I'd be the co-mayor or something. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I tried them all too, you know. So I started the next day and I don't even know. People always ask me, what did you start with? What did you do? And I'm like, well... I just did what Jen did. She did like, she said she did like a 19.5-ish. And so I just sort of did that. But when I very first started, I had a part-time job somewhere else. And so I went to work after I dropped the kids off. And then I would come home sometime between 12 and 1. So basically, I would just wake up and I'm like, okay, instead of force, I'm not a breakfast person though. So I know you are, but I'm not. And so in my head, I'm like, well... (laughs) I don't have to think now about what to eat for breakfast. I just get to skip it in general. So I just grabbed my water, went to work, and I kept telling myself, like, you can eat when you get home. You can eat when you get home. And so that's just kind of how I slowly, which I feel, still feel like that's pretty strong out of the gate, trying to get to 12 or I 1. I think so, too. That really is. And, you know, 
It's funny how you said about me being a breakfast person, because like I'm like, I used to be a breakfast person. I, I loved having breakfast because I loved those foods. I loved a good chicken biscuit. I loved toast with eggs. But now yeah, I'm, I think you said brunch. You're like yep. a brunch. Well, I just have love brunch, brunch later. And, yeah. yeah. Like and a two so, o'clock. I love breakfast foods. But now I get just that's what it was. delay them. Food. Yeah. Yes, that's what it is. You like that's what I should have said. You love breakfast foods, but I yeah. You're not not a a breakfast food lover. No, I don't love eggs, and like eggs are like the only good source of protein to eat in the morning because everything else is just carbs and whatever. And so I'm always like, no, I don't like. I could go eat breakfast, but I don't eat eggs, so I don't want an omelet or scrambled eggs or none of that stuff and frittatas or nothing. And then I definitely don't want pancakes because I know what that'll do to me if I break my fast with that. So I just skip it all together. Easy. And so, so I just would grab water and I'd get to work. And like, it wasn't easy. It was hard, you know, but I still felt like, I guess I just always asked myself like, Star, you have been so miserable being this heavy person and everything. Like you are just no fun. You're a miserable person to be around. Like, that's hard. Being heavy and overweight and not even able to go for a walk because you have shin splints and your back is seizing up and you can't breathe because you're out of breath. That's hard. You know, sticking to an exercise regimen, getting there every single day. And then if you don't, you feel guilty about it. And it's just this whole vicious cycle. All that mind thing, that's all hard. Like everything is hard. So we just have to pick our heart. I and, love that. And, you know, I feel- People, yeah, fasting is hard, you guys. Like, I'm four years in and I still quote unquote struggle every day with fasting. You know, like, I have my days where I'm like, man, I'm hungry today or what's going on. But then I have learned over time, oh, well, I need to listen to my body. If I'm hungrier earlier today, well, what have I had in the last couple of days? Have I not eaten that great in the last couple of days? Maybe my body's telling me I need to eat earlier today. That's why I don't really believe in fasting protocols. I don't believe in a 24 or 22-2. I, I think when people do fasting like that or treat fasting like that, they're treating it like a diet instead of being flexible. Yeah, I want to stop you right there for a second because I couldn't agree more. And I am a loose 19.5 still, but I, I don't do, like, I don't ever, like, count to 19 and make myself wait or, oh, I, my window, I need to close it in one minute. It's been five hours, right? That's that's not, not how I, I live and it's not how I would recommend. And like you said before, when people stick to really strict protocols, like let someone say someone's like, I'm going to do 22-2. And then they're like, by the clock, it's been 22. And then they're like, oh, it's been two. And then I'm going to close. We don't want to get into that. We want it to be a little bit more flexible. And like for me, keeping an eye on the boundary of my eating window was always the easiest way to know what I was doing. You know, if I'm hungry a little earlier, I slide it that way a little bit. And I can still think about when will five hours be, right? <laughs> you know, when's it going right. to be the end of five hours? And and maybe one day it's six hours, no big deal, or seven, or I'm hungrier this day. And, and that's where the flexibility comes in. But I'm with you on that. When you just look at your fasting protocol, like, well, what are you? Are you OMAD or or are you? So if you were new, you're probably starting out with two meals a day. So when you look at it the, in your head, instead of even thinking of fasting protocols or times or anything, but just tell yourself, I'm eating two meals or I'm eating one meal a day. And I always explain one meal a day. And I always 
I, I feel like a robot because I'm like, I explain one meal a day like Jen Stevens explains one meal a day. And well, I feel explain, like I just have this- explain one meal a day because there's so much confusion because since the days of when we first had the one meal a day Facebook group that I started in 2015, we were the only people using the terminology one meal a day. And the only reason I started using it, just to backtrack a little bit, is I was following Dr. Burt Hearing and the Fast Five plan. And I was in his Facebook group. I had already lost the weight I wanted to lose. It was the fall of 20, or it was like August of 2015. And people were struggling, struggling, struggling. And so I reread his Fast Five book. And for some reason, that time, the words jumped out at me where he said, you're only eating one meal a day, comma. So, and you know, then he, he kept going. I'm like, wait a minute. He did not intend for it to be a five-hour eat as much as you want to, just eat, eat, eat in five hours. He was thinking about it as a one, you're eating one actual meal within five hours. And I can remember trying to explain that to somebody in his Facebook group. And they're like, no, he said, eat whatever you want in five hours. And I'm like, all right, time to start my own group. (laughs) And I I called it one meal a day, intermittent fasting support or something like that. And just me and and some friends were in there. But... We did not think of one meal a day as like 23-1 or one plate of food. It was thinking about it as you're structuring your eating window around around a meal, you know, like whatever meal that might be. But now people are just like, no, one meal a day is 23-1, which makes me laugh. So how do you explain one meal a day? So I explain one meal a day like you did, I believe in delay, don't deny, but where you are act like you're at a fine dining restaurant. And when you go to a fine dining restaurant, they're not just throwing your food, a plate at you and you're out the door. You get there and you get your, your wine or drink, and then you get your hors d'oeuvres or appetizers. Then you get your side salad. Then you get your main entree that you ordered, like the main steak or potato, whatever you ordered. Then after that, there's dessert and coffee. And it's like this long drug out thing. So I always tell everybody to think of it like that. But what I do explain and what I've learned over the years of fasting, and I I remember there was a point too, where I think I even reached out to you. It was about a year or so into fasting. And I, I felt like fasting was starting to get harder for me for some reason. And I didn't understand why, because I always started out breaking with a a snack and then I would eat my meal. And then if I wanted something else, I'd have it. If not, I would close. It was basically that simple. And then I got down to my first goal weight of 140 a couple weeks after our podcast, because I remember I wanted to be 140 when we recorded, which would have been my goal weight, but I was 142 that morning. So a few days later, I got down to that. And then I was happy at 140. I did not care one lick of nothing. And then Roxy started in those that group because I've been in was in your groups, you know, from back from Facebook days. She started the one meal a day. And I'm like, huh. The meal is Monday. The meal is Mondays, I mean, sorry. And, and I was like, why would anybody want to do that? And I was already at my goal weight. So I was like, well, I don't, I don't need to do that. Well, then, you know, when you start thinking of all the autophagy, extra autophagy you get when you go farther and the cellular levels and healing and the inflammation and everything, I thought, well, and that's one reason. And then the second reason was because you could eat two meals the next day. And I was eating one meal a day for eight months. And so when I'm like, Hey, this will give me a reason to, or or a will or whatever, a a way to be able to eat two meals a day. 
So I thought, well, let's just try it and see. And I'm just competitive with myself. So I'm like, well, let me see if I can even do it. So I did one and I was like, wow. And then it was so fun to eat all day. You kind of felt like normal again, <laughs> like you're eating all day, especially because, you know, when I was in my weight loss mode, I was, was stricter, was sticking to the one meal a day and stuff. I went on to lose like another 14 pounds or something. My lowest I got down to was 126. I haven't seen that number in a minute, but it's fine. I don't really, I hate the scale. I think it's dumb. Even in my maintenance years, I, I tell everybody the scale's the devil and it lies to you no matter which way you're looking at it. Because sometimes I'll look at it and I'm like, there is no way I've lost that much weight. And then like the next day it's back up. I'm like, I knew it. Yeah. So like it, it just lies. Whether it is telling you you're too heavy, which I've gained six pounds in one day and I have proof on the stupid scale itself with the timestamp above. One day it said six pounds I was heavier. I jumped off that scale so fast and I was like, what the heck? And I immediately wanted to go to diet brain like, I better do a millis day. Oh my gosh, I gained six pounds. What? And then I'm like, star, calm down. You know you don't like the scale. Just forget about it. Go on with your day. And it's impossible to gain six pounds of fat that quickly. Exactly. Impossible. So women's bodies especially. We they retain fluid. And yeah. So you started with the mealist Monday. So you were doing some alternate day fasting. Were you just doing it like once a week, followed by an up day? Right. I just did the one on the mealist Mondays because those just seemed to work kind of, and it was just fun to do it with everybody. And so I basically did that for a little while. And then, like I said, lost some more weight. And then, so at a full year of intermittent fasting, which after the eight months, I did incorporate one meal a day a week. And so my total weight loss was 81 pounds Yeah, in less than a year. And I've been maintaining that ever since. That's really amazing. And by the way, for anybody who's like, you know, because Roxy used to lead Mila's Monday in the Facebook groups, but of course we love Facebook and now we're we're off of Facebook. You can find us at jenstevens.com slash community, but she is still leading Mila's Mondays every single week. We have a group in the community where Roxy has a post, people chime in, they support each other. You know, you're not alone doing it. Thank goodness for Roxy because, you know, I remember a long time ago, back in the advanced Facebook group, which was based on Delay Don't Deny. You had to have read Delay Don't Deny to join the advanced group. Back in the day, someone was started talking about ADF or something. And somebody else in the group said, we don't do that here. And I'm like, wait a minute, everybody. There's a whole chapter in Delay Don't Deny about ADF strategies. Yes, we do. But Roxy, I really credit her with bringing that mainstream in our community. Because I mean, I, I eat every day. I don't do ADF. But it's a great strategy. Right. It is a good strategy. I mean, it really is. It's nice to throw in there. It's nice to add it in as like a hybrid approach. Or if you're just like, I'll do it if I'm like gearing up to go out of town type of thing. And I know I'm going to go out of town for like four days. I might do one, have a meal a day like on Friday because I know all day Saturday we're going to be eating or whatever. And then you just get to like do it all guilt free. I mean, that's what I love about fasting is like it literally teaches you a lifestyle. And that's like the biggest thing that I wanted to come back on to help people understand is that fasting is not a diet. Fasting is a lifestyle. And if you treat fasting like a diet, you will fail at it. So when people tell me, oh, I tried fasting, it didn't work for me, I kind of want to punch them because (laughs) I'm like, you don't try fasting. You try caviar. You don't try fasting. If you slept 
you fasted. So everybody in the world is an intermittent faster. We just need to flip-flop what everybody's doing, where they sleep for six to eight hours, and then they eat for the other 16 to 18. If everyone could just flip-flop that, I mean, I don't know in my head now why like fasting seems so simple and basic, and we very much overcomplicate it. Yeah. We need to just understand, like, that's why I tell everyone, and they probably just think I'm slooping them off, or they probably think that I, you own me or something, because I'm always like, Jen Stevens, go get her book. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm not smart enough or educated enough in that aspect of all the sciencey part to really break it down. I am about simple. I am a busy, busy person. And in that book, in the introduction, I always tell everybody this, go get the book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. And if you only read the introduction and the first two chapters, the light bulbs will go off And because you have to understand the why. You got to understand why you're fasting. People always say, how do you keep doing it? How do you stay committed? How do you stay so disciplined? It's my why, you guys. I don't want to get diabetes and lose my leg. Right. I know what too much insulin will do for you. I don't want to get a heart condition where I have to get quadruple bypass surgery like my dad. When you understand what's happening at a cellular level with fasting, and when you truly understand that you're just trying to keep your insulin levels low so you can tap into your stored glycogen that you have on your body and your muscles and in your liver, and once you burn through that, you flip the metabolic switch, you get over into ketosis, and you start burning your stored fat. But if you're feeding yourself fuel or drinking something all day long, you're filling up that tank per se of glycogen. And when it overflows, you have a force field of insulin, you're an insulin resistance, and it is blocking you from tapping into your stored fat. It's so true. I think that's the key right there. You know, what is your why? My new book that's coming out, um, it's available for pre-order now. It's called 28 Day Fast Start Day by Day. And Star, I think it's one that you're really going to be able to use with your clients. Because, you know, I'm a teacher before anything else, right? I'm a teacher. I teach things to people, right? And so I realized we needed just a little bit more step-by-step, like for the 28-Day Fast Start. Because Fast Feast Repeat has... The 28-Day Fast Start in a chapter, but the whole book is like a lot. It's a lot. So I'm like, all right, we need a book that has nothing to distract anybody. They just are focused on the 28-Day Fast Start day by day. And the reason I, I mentioned that is because the first thing before they start, I have them craft their why. Oh and, and I want people to start with that. And there's like a, it's a write-in kind of a book. You know, again, there I am the teacher. And so it's interactive. Like you write things every day and you think about your day. But before you even start, you know, there's like a checklist of, of things. You know, what what is your why? One of them is weight loss. But there's other things on that list as well. And, you know, avoiding diseases and getting old and being healthy as we age, you know being vibrantly healthy, all of the things that would be our why. And there's also blank spaces for people to write their own. But I really, really think when people start intermittent fasting, if the only why is I want to lose weight, I think you're more likely to fail if your only why is because I want to see 125 on the scale. That's it. Yeah, That's not enough. I could get people to 125 pounds, you know, a lot of ways, right? Now, you're probably not going to stay there with a lot of the, like, if you're doing, like, the 
HCG diet or taking diet pills, you're, you're going to yo-yo. But with intermittent fasting, it's not just what that scale number is going to be. So I love that you focus on the why because I, I really think that's what keeps me going. Right. Well, and I did, I tell everybody my, my little slogan, and I even got some little wristbands made up of it is I've kind of changed it or added onto it. But I say we fast for our health and we eat for our goal. Oh, we love that. Eat for our goal is something that I have kind of just coined and I use with everything because I think the biggest reason why I wanted to do the one-on-one coaching too is because when I first started fasting, I feel like I kind of treated it like a diet, trying to stick to this certain protocol or whatever. And so trying to get out of that mindset, I mean, the mindset is what is just everything and teaching ourselves that, no, we fast for our health and we eat for our goal. So if I ask myself when I'm getting ready to eat a piece of cake, star, is this eating for your goal? Well, my goal is to stay healthy. No, that's not eating for my goal. And I choose to not have it. So instead, before when we've been on diets and we've had been told what we can and can't eat, those never worked for me because then I wanted to have exactly what I was told I can't have. If I was on a keto diet, I wanted all carbs. So if I was on low fat, I wanted high fat foods or whatever. But now it's just like, now I get to choose and I get to say no on my own. And that gives you a lot of power too, where you're like, you know what? No, not right now. I can save that for later. And that's what people don't understand too, is sometimes delaying is longer than just a day, folks. (laughs) We might have to delay those foods that we love, but that don't maybe so much love us back or alcoholic beverages. That's a whole nother thing where people say, can I still drink wine or have my margarita? And I'm like, you can, you can. But what I always say is, is if you imagine a tank, so there's one tank in our body we're trying to burn through, which is our stored glycogen. So this is just an analogy. Well, once you drink, you add another tank to that liver. So now the body stops working on the tank of glycogen because it's like, oh, we see a problem, aka the alcohol, and it goes and tries to work through that real quick. So it kind of puts everything on pause. Yep. Alcohol is always first. Your body will always manage the Go alcohol on that first. first. Right. Yeah, it can't do anything else. Yeah, back in when I was using, and I don't recommend this product because it was not reliable. Like different people got different results, but I had a breath ketone meter that a company sent me. And like I said, mine would get a very different reading than my friend Sherry's, for example. Like this, we would blow one than the other and they would be completely different. So we're like, well, these are not very reliable because we should be getting the same number. But anyway, what I did notice though, if I had alcohol the next day, it took me so much longer to get ketones on my breath. Mm. I was like, wow. I mean, like it made such a difference. I'm not even talking like I ate a bunch differently. It's not even that. Just by adding wine to my eating window, it would delay when my body would get into ketosis the next day by hours. And so, you know, nobody wants to hear that the wine or the margarita might be, you know, halting the progress, but, you know, getting real, eating for your goals, drinking is part of that. If your goal is fat loss and you're having wine every day, take a hard look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And one thing I tell, because people are like, well, I don't want to cut it out. That's not a lifestyle. If I cut it out, because this is part of my lifestyle, blah, 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 blah. And you can go two ways with that. One, 
how miserable are you right now? And and how miserable are you with how you feel and you want to feel better? Because if you do, you'll delay it for as long as you need to until you get to that health goal or give yourself an option, especially in the beginning where I'll tell my clients, okay, instead of telling yourself no alcohol, we're going to say you're allowed to have alcohol twice a week or three times a week. So if it's a Tuesday night and you're ready to go crack the wine, you're going to go, do I want this to be one of my two nights of alcohol this week? Or would I rather save this for a more window worthy special occasion type alcohol? Like if you're going out to dinner for date night, okay, that's window worthy to enjoy a drink or whatever. So really being more picky and choosy. I don't know. That's what I love about fasting too. When we think of it so simple of just I fast for my health and then I eat for my goal. And depending on people always say, well, how long do I need a fast for? Another thing I go by is we know that autophagy gets ramped up at 18 plus hours fasted. So if your goal is weight loss, you most definitely need to be past 18. Well, fat loss does. Yeah, fat loss. We think that autophagy and ketosis are probably linked and as one, you know, as ketosis goes up autophagy because our body's you know in the in the fasted state getting deeper and deeper but you're right fat burning definitely ramps up probably around hour 18 of course it's going to vary depending on what you did the day before but if your goal is fat loss hitting 18 is a is a good place to be 18 plus 18 yeah. plus and that's mm-hmm. why I always say 18 plus and then if you know you're really wanting to just come out of the gates running then it's 20 plus but you know it's always changing and moving. And so that's why I feel like if we could just get wrap our minds around, okay, one meal a day. And I don't think I ever talked about before when I felt like I reached back out to you about a year in after fasting, I felt like I all of a sudden was just so hungry the next day at like 10 o'clock. And I just felt like almost felt like in a way or something, I was like, is fasting not working for me? Why am I hungry all of a sudden? I can normally fast till dinner time. I don't understand. Well, what I started realizing is that I was still breaking my fast with a snack, but I was eating like too big of a snack. And then when dinner came, I was so hungry because I think I had already flipped the metabolic switch. I was already in ketosis. So, you know, I needed to really fill my body. So then I get so hungry on my when I open my eating window and I eat a ton of snack. And then when I would get to dinner, I wouldn't eat very much dinner. So then the next day I'd be hungry a lot sooner. So I'm like, well, how can I fix this? And if this has been a huge game changer for me and lots of my clients and it doesn't always, always work, but I'm so crazy and OCD that it, it almost always does. But I break my fast with my main meal. Because when we think about it, our bodies are doing a lot of work. They are working hard to clear out all that junk and everything. And so we want to fuel our bodies with good food. So that's where eat for your gold comes in. You don't want to go eat some McDonald's after your body is just, you know, replenished all these new cells. Like what do you want to pump through into your new cells? You know, what kind of food? And over time with regenerating those new cells, I swear just your body organically starts like craving. I remember listening to your podcast and people would say that they were liked Brussels sprouts. And I was like, there's no way this person really is saying they like Brussels sprouts. And I'm like, there's no way I'm ever going to eat Brussels sprouts. Well, who is ordering Brussels sprouts? I knew it. Four years later. So funny. They're so dang good if they're cooked correctly. 
Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I want to pop back to what you just said, though. You know, just because I'm someone who tends to follow the pattern, open with a snack, have my main meal later, my snack also might be what someone else considers a meal, honestly. <laughs> it doesn't really matter what you call it. But for people who struggle with opening with a snack and having their meal later, doing what you just said is is often the tweak that works for them. Open with your meal. And then I have what I want later. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So I do it that way, which I love because then like, I mean, so in my head, I know I do one meal a day. So when I wake up, I'm not thinking about food. Like that's another reason why I love fasting. I feel like it makes us extremely productive because we can't eat or nothing. So we just need to go stay busy. So it's like you wake up, you work, you get your house chores done, you're busy, you're moving. And I just know that I eat later in the day. I don't know if that's going to be at two, five, seven, four. I have no idea. People always want to know what my fasting protocol is. You would have to text me every day. Right. Me too. Me too. Yeah. I don't always eat at the same time. Yesterday it was three, I think, somewhere around there. I'm just trying to remember. Today it'll be a little bit later. Sherry and I are recording two episodes of the new Fast Feast Repeat podcast today. Have you heard that one yet? I haven't. I just got the email that your episode zero dropped or whatever. We're recording this in June, everybody. So by the time you're hearing it, Fast Feast Repeat will will have been around for a while. But so today it'll be a little later because I'm going to be busy. And then tomorrow, who knows what time it'll be. Oh, I think I'm recording a podcast at three tomorrow. So it'll be a little bit later that day as well. But it's no big deal. It just when, when my work for the day is done, I can open my window whenever I feel like it. Mm -hmm. No big deal. And then people say, well, but I get hungry. And I'm like, you don't think I get hungry? (laughs) Like, I get hungry throughout the day. But like, I just, in my head, if I get hungry, I'm like, good, go eat my stored fat. Like, if you're hungry, I'm going to force you, like Dr. Jason's fung analogy of the refrigerator and the freezer. I'm not going to... Right. Go to the freezer in the basement. Yes. I don't want to go give you immediate food, aka fuel, and open the refrigerator I and my, my, my mouth and put food in it. I want to force you to go tap into my stored fat and go eat that. And then, you know, and then I'll feast later and give you fuel later or whatever. So That's a, a great point because, you know, sometimes people think that those of us that are experienced intermittent fasters don't get hungry during the fast, and that's not true. We get hungry during the fast, but when we were eating all day long, we also got hungry, but it was more like hangry if we didn't yeah. eat. Whereas the hunger that yeah. we feel as intermittent fasters 
it's transient, it's mild, you feel it, you acknowledge it, you move on. It doesn't just build and build and get worse. But it's not as bad. Like if I started eating early, like let's say I got up one day and ate at eight o'clock, I wouldn't do that, but let's say I did. I would have more hunger signals during that day than if I was fasting. It honestly sometimes doesn't make any sense to me because when I'm home, I don't think about food. Like I said, I wait all the way till the evening time. I go out of town on vacation and it'll be 10 o'clock and I'm like, so what are we going to eat? And I'm like, why do I want to eat right now? Like, I don't know, like your brain just does something when you're out of town. But that's what I love about fasting too, is it's like what matters is what we do daily. So everybody gets real hung up on like, oh, I went out of town and I messed everything up and I did this. And I'm like, well, first of all, you can't mess up. You don't fall off anything because we're not on no wagon. This is a daily lifestyle. So even if you today, like even me, my motto is eat for your goal. And I don't eat for my goal every day because I like sugar and I have it. You know, that's where I feel like fasting gives me this freedom where I know I can have those things, but I also know those things are not healthy for me. So I'm more aware now and I am just mindful and I can have those things. So when everybody always says, can I have this? Can I have that? You can, but there's always that, but, you know, because, but is that eating for your goal and is it truly window worthy, you know? So really making sure we're eating like whole foods, high protein foods, high protein meals. You know, I'm, I'm not a keto person. I don't pick certain diets like that. But I always tell people, if you feel better when you're eating keto or carnivore, then you fast for your health and you eat for your goal. So if your goal and, and is to feel better and you feel your best when you're eating keto, I always ask my clients that, tell me what diet you've done in the past that has worked for you. Because if it has a little bit, then we can kind of incorporate that. Like there's good in every different kind of diet out there. I'll often ask people that. You know, when someone is really struggling with with not knowing what to do and they're try they've tried fasting and they got their eating window down but they're not losing any weight, I'll be like, well, think back to when you were successful at some point in your diet history. Yes. What were you doing then? And some of them will say, well, it was low carb. And for me, of course, it was low fat. Those low fat diets of the early 90s, those were the ones that worked well for me. The low carb never did. And so that gives you the clue. And again, intermittent fasting is not a diet, but in your eating window, you can eat based on what you know works well for you. So if I needed to lose weight, I would be mindful of how much fat I was taking in. Butter is not unlimited for my body. It's not. <laughs> right, right. You know, and the time I felt the very best was when I was whole food plant-based. And you can trust your body to let you know. Well, and that's the thing. Like some days I'm a vegetarian because some days I don't even want to chew meat. Like the thought of it sometimes I'm like, no, can I just get a salad with like artichokes and black beans and garbanzo beans? And I like throw a bunch of stuff in it, but I don't really eat any meat protein or whatever. And then other days I'm like, I need a chicken breast like this big with lots of cheese on it. Or, you know, I'm just, it's, so it's like, it goes back to listening to your body. And I feel like when we're eating all the time on diets, 
we can't listen to our body because we're only able to listen to insulin that's constantly circulating. So once we have all that down from fasting, then we can listen to our body and and really ask ourselves, like I'll ask myself, like, okay, what do you need to eat today? Do we need more protein today? Like what are, and like sometimes something will come to my mind, you know, and I'm like, okay, I'll have this. Or if I've had three days in a row of maybe not that great of meals or high fat meals, then on the fourth day, I'll hit it with we're having salad today with chicken in it, guys. Like I just try to do a balance because for me, it's balance. I needed to find something in life that I could sustain and do. I didn't need to start a diet. I didn't need to start an exercise regimen that I was just going to fall off of and stop at some point because something vacation or something would throw me off. I didn't want that anymore because that was not working. And it was like, it wasn't working. And now I have something that can go with me on vacation, no matter what, I can always fast. And then I just choose how long I want to eat for that day. I do mainly still to this day, fast about 20 plus hours every day. And I have one meal a day. Sometimes I break early it just, it really all depends. But in my head, I'm one meal a day. And there's really not that many times that I am hungry for two meals a day. And I recently had a hysterectomy. I had to have a hysterectomy a couple of weeks ago. I, I oh, think gosh. I'm nine weeks Yeah. I'm nine I didn't weeks know. Out today. Yeah. I uh, still have my ovaries though. So they had to take everything out. I have really, really bad endometriosis. And so okay. they had to take everything out. I healed really good. Like everybody, I mean, there was the little, oh, the bloating and the gas and I still have weird bloating at night. I don't, they say that's normal and hopefully gets better. But as far as like healing wise, I feel like I just, I healed really good and I kind of contribute that to fasting. I mean, I, I don't know what it would be like without it, but when I hear. Was your medical team just shocked with how fast you healed? Oh yeah, they were, they were. And even like pain, I, they give you Motrin so like I handled everything with just a Motrin. They give you a pain pump for the first couple of days. And so that worked great. But I'm just like, everything was, uh, you know, kind of sort of just smooth sailing. And I just am like, I don't know. I just, I, I guess in my head, I contribute everything to fasting, but I do ser- just, I've talked to other people that aren't fasters and had hysterectomies and they just had really, really bad stories or they took months and months and months to heal. So, well, when we're not eating all the time, our body can focus on healing, right? Yeah, it sure can. And I know we're getting kind of close to time. So just, I know people with blood work, that's a really big thing. And I also wanted to talk about measurements because that's a big thing with first. Okay. So I tell my clients, do not get on the scale. Kind of like you, I tell everybody, get you some honesty pants. I want you to go get a pair of pants that don't even go up to your knees and put them on and take a picture in them. And then if they go up to your thighs, then the next month, then you're doing something good and take those measurements. Cause I am blown away still, even when I pulled them back up to look and I was like, there's no way, but my measurements are crazy. So my starting measurements in July of 2019. So that was or sorry, August of 2019, my waist was 35. My hips were 44. And my right thigh was 22.5 inches. And my left thigh was 23 and a quarter. And then my new measurements are my waist is 27. So I lost eight inches, eight inches off my waist, still sustaining that. My hips, 32. Wow. So that's 
12 inches off of my hips. Wow. I did measure my hip yesterday though, and they're up to a 33. So <laughs> maybe I need to back off the sugar, but it's fine. So these are my measurements that I took a couple of years ago, but I was curious if the only one that changed was my hips. So uh, my right thigh though is was 17 inches. So I lost 5.5 inches off of my right thigh. And then my left thigh made it to 17 inches. So that ended up being 6.25 inches lost off my left thigh. So it was a total of almost 32 inches lost in less than a year. And maintaining that goal weight range, my goal weight range, just I don't ever get on the scale. Randomly, I will just to kind of see where things are at. I know I tell my clients, do not hop on the scale randomly, though. If you are Uh going to be aware, you get the Happy Scale app and you weigh every single day at the same time, the same way, and you look at the downward trend, it's the only way to keep track. Only way. Well, I think you've already answered the question, what would you tell someone just starting out? And that is, do not weigh at first, give your body time to adjust, and then when you are ready after the first month, if, if you're ready to start weighing, then you need to know what your trend is doing, like with Happy Scale. I don't want to end without you know, telling people how they can get in touch with you. How can be, First of all, I know you're on Instagram. Tell them how to follow you on Instagram and also how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, there's a couple of ways. So you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is called lovemyifing, and only intermittent fasters get that because it's the IFing life. And you can also get a hold of me on my website, which is the same www.lovemyifinglife.com. And you can email me there or whatever. All my podcasts that I've been on are all linked there and stuff. So this new one will be on there. But yeah, if you just, you can DM me on Instagram and I'll get back to you, answer any questions. But also I had my blood work done again from 2000. Well, I had it done last year, so I'm going to get it. I had it done in August of last year. So I was waiting till August of this year to get it done again, but I might get it done in July because I'm really curious. But as of last year, my A1C was 5.1. Fasted insulin was 5.2. My total cholesterol is 229, which is high on the charts, but for my hereditary cholesterol, that's normal. Wow. Yeah. Big drop. Big drop. And then my LDL is 132. So that dropped over a hundred points. So that's amazing. Oh, and my thyroid magically started working again with my back when, well, of course I've been off thyroid medication for over three years now, but when I first started fasting within four months, I was already making too much TSH or whatever. So they had to back me off my thyroid medication and I was off of that within a couple months. So on no more high cholesterol medication, no more thyroid medication, no more antidepressants, or any of that anxiety medication. I mean, I just feel like fasting truly is healing and it heals us at a cellular level. And real quick with the scale, I always tell everybody, it doesn't matter what the number on the scale says because you're never going to stop fasting. You have to accept this as your lifestyle. And we always use the scale as a tool to help us know whether we needed to start a diet or if we could finally get off the dumb diet because we hit our goal weight. But we're not on anything. So like, it doesn't matter what the number says. So I really try to get people to disconnect with the scale and really to just pay attention to measurements and how your clothes are fitting. Because 
the whole reality is, is, is you're not going to stop fasting no matter what the number on the scale says. Even if it says you're the exact same weight after two months, you're not going to stop fasting. It just might mean you're more insulin resistant. Go get that fasted insulin tested. And when you go to the doctor, you have to specifically ask for it like 10 times because they just don't get it sometimes. Fasted insulin, it's really the most important because that'll let you know how insulin resistant you are. And that will will help a lot in your fasting journey. Well, that is such good advice. Thank you so much, Star, for being here today and sharing your story again. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. Once upon a beat. Remember those stories and fables that would capture your imagination and you couldn't wait to see how they would unfold? And now, when you read them as an adult, you think some of these old tales could use a fresh spin. We have a perfect podcast to bring you the stories you remember, remix, and reimagine for the kids in your life today. Join me, DJ Fuse, and my trusty turntable, Baby Scratch, as we spin up new tales in the New Kids and Family podcast, Once Upon a Beat. Wondry and Tinkercast are bringing you a jam-packed, music-filled weekly party where hip-hop and fables meet. It's Once Upon a Beat. Follow Once Upon a Beat on the Wondry app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Once Upon a Beat early and ad-free right now by joining Wondry Plus in the Wondry app or Wondry Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. Once Upon a Beat.